The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. We're broadcasting today from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and I'm so delighted to get to welcome you to the show. So glad you're joining us. The show is brought to you by Valenta Slim Roast Coffee. Now I've lost 38 pounds just by drinking Slim Roast. Now, if you need to lose weight, this is a really good way to do it because it's working for everybody that's trying it. If you want to lose weight and you want some free samples, go to the self-improvement book and take the tour. You'll see a place for the tour. There's no obligation. I'm the only one that will get your information, and I'll contact you for, for your mailing information so I can send it to you. You know, this is one of those things that seems too good to be true, and it is true. So, you know, if you have a weight problem, if you've tried everything, try this one. Now you won't need to try it. You'll just be able to do it. A lot of people these days are asking the question, who am I? It sounds like a simple question, but it isn't, and it's a hard question to answer. You know, those of you who listen to this show regularly, sometimes hear guests struggle with the question, and it's always the first question I ask because I think it's so important. Now, and I'm asking you, the listeners now, what is your identity aside from what you do and who you're related to? If somebody asks you who you are, are you Joe's wife or Kevin's mother or, you know, uh, you know you're a writer or a secretary or a nurse? Uh, you know, think about it. You know, we talk a lot about authenticity these days. And so we ask ourselves, what is my authentic self like? You know, am I authentic? I think it's a sad statement that we have to ask that because it implies that most of us are trying to be somebody else. So who am I? Am I authentic? This takes us to the next question, and this is a real doozy. What do I believe that I wasn't told I had to believe? And what do I do that I do because I chose to do it and not because I was told I had to do it or that it was expected of me? Remember all those things when you were growing up? Now, what is it that motivates you now? We're going to talk about that today. Our guest, Patty Fivette, spent the first 50 years of her life following Southern Society's directive for a conventional life. 
And those of you who saw the movie The Help can see something of what life was like in the South back in those days. Although her connection to God remained strong after decades of becoming the period at the end of society's sentence, think about that one, the period at the end of society's sentence, she was barely surviving. To thrive, she turned to the divine for direction. That's the only place to go. Embracing her intuition as the voice of that divine connection, she was led to travel the world to rediscover her authentic self at deeper, more meaningful levels, eventually earning a Ph.D. in metaphysics. She has authored When Life Cried Out, and you need to hear the subtitle, One Woman's Spiritual Quest to Be Fully Alive. And she wrote Making of a Mystic. Patty works as a modern mystic, speaker, storyteller, teacher, and writer as she assists others in discovering their own sacred story. She's been with us before, and I'm absolutely so delighted to welcome her back. Patty, welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you, Irene. I am so glad to be here. We've had such a good time talking the last time, and I know this time is going to be fun, too. We just need about four or five more hours, that's all. You know, you know we could do that. <laughs> we, we could do that, but I somehow think it would disrupt Voice America's schedule. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't want to do that. We might have to do that offline some days. For those who didn't hear you on the first show, I'm going to ask you that horrible question. Tell us about yourself. Who is Patty Fivette? And, and I know you're going to have the answer. <laughs> Do you know, I knew that question was coming, and I started to write something down. Oh, I'm glad you didn't. I did not. I did not. Because I'm going to let Spirit just speak through me, and we'll just see what comes out. It'll be interesting for me to know, too, because oh, who I consider out. myself now is not who I thought I was for the first 50 years of my life. I am one small drop of spirit in a whole sea of God that expresses itself in so many wonderful, wonderful, wonderful loving ways. Trees, flowers, birds, animals, people. I'm just one, and I'm just part of that. To me, um, spirit is an ex- something I experience. It's not something that I have rules and regulations for. It's something I experience, I experience, and when I really want to be myself and reconnect, you will find me walking in a forest or canoeing quietly on a lake or maybe even sitting in meditation in the sunshine on a beautiful day or laying in the hammock watching the clouds go over, and I have gotten to the point where I can stand at the kitchen sink and wash dishes and be... Uh, uh, fully immersed in, in divine presence. And it, I'm at the point now, Irene, where I can have somebody scream at me or yell at me and still be steady. Wow. And I have not reached that point yet. I'm I just getting there. I'm just getting there. And, um, 
that's who I am. I'm creative, fun-loving, uh, highly sensitive person. Uh, as in Elaine Aron's explanation of what a highly sensitive person is, I'm a deep-thinking person, uh, uh, and I'm very touched by by the emotional realm of people and birds and butterflies and this type of thing. I'm very aware. And all of those things. I found a wonderful place to go here now that I live in Fountain Hills. And it sounds really crazy, but it's the dog park. My dog and I go every morning and he romps and a group of us walk. And we see the sun sunrise because we get there early since it's so hot here. Yeah. And it, it's just an amazing, amazing, beautiful time of day. And my thoughts went there when you were talking about this. We look forward to it. The dog is ready to go the minute he wakes up, no matter whether it's midnight or not. You know, he, he wants to go. Uh, and it's, it's a, I, I, it, I think of it as a divine place. It's a lovely, wonderful place. It sounds very special. Yeah, it is it's incredibly special. But you know, we want to talk about some of the thoughts from your book. So I, I, I want us to get a little back on track, although we could talk like that for a long time. In the beginning of the book, in, in what you called the, the note from the author, in the very beginning of the book, you state, For most of my life, I had done everything I knew possible to act in ways unnatural to my authenticity uh, my authentically created being because I felt it safer to do so. Talk a little bit about that part of your life, what it was like in the beginning before the book. I was born into a father, who, a family that had a father who was loving, but he never expressed that. He was an achiever. He was very much an achiever. He was an achiever in his own life, and he did well, and he expected high achievement from his children. And my mother was the product of, um, well, two alcoholics. And appearance is important to children who have alcoholic problems, to parents who have alcoholic problems. Yes. And uh, that that's just fairly well known. So, um, so getting from my father uh, a perfectionist thing, and from my mother an appearance and social thing. From she she had a lot of friends. She was very extroverted, and she was a delightful lady to be around. Very extroverted and very delightful. And and I was born introverted, and I was born. Uh, sensitive, and many times my father would say, uh, don't be so sensitive. And for me, that was like somebody was telling me not to be myself. Well, who am I supposed to be? I guess I'm supposed to be who they need me to be. And that's and, what that sounds yeah, about. That's the conclusion we have to make usually as children. How many times did you hear what would the neighbors think or what will grandma think or what will somebody think? Many, many, many times. Many times. You'd, I would come home with the A and, and uh, well, why didn't you get an A plus? Exactly. And I would get ready to go to a party or a social function or something, especially in high school and grammar school. 
And uh, there was a big deal made about what I was wearing. And, oh, my goodness, I'm dating myself. Back in those days as a little girl, the the hair ribbon and the lace on the socks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the whole thing had to be an outfit. You know? Oh, everything matched. Shoes, purse, everything. Everything had to match. Everything did. It was how it was in the 1950s. And here here I was. uh uh my, I had one good friend, and I was content with that. And uh, the place I liked to be the most was in a little playhouse, which was next to an oak tree. The oak tree was my friend, too. <laughs> how exactly. do you explain that to my parents? How, how could a little girl explain that? She didn't un- I didn't understand it myself. How could I explain that? Yeah, you can't. You grew up in the Bible Belt, yeah, and, oh, and you yeah. say in the book that you embrace traditional church-going religion just as you'd been told to, and you agreed with almost everything anybody said. How did you know when it was time to break away from that and hear Spirit speaking to you directly? But the first thing I would answer to that, say an answer to that, Irene, was because it wasn't working. But actually, that's not a deep enough and not a strong enough sentence to say. I mean, it really wasn't working. Uh, capital letters, exclamation points, in bold, it really wasn't working. <laughs> you want to make it red? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't. Um, I started taking a yoga course just as a way of exercising. One of the ways I stayed calm during that first marriage, till the end of that marriage, was exercise. And so it's just for something different. I started a yoga class and... And it was a bit of an introduction to an awakening for me. And I um, uh, was in a whole room full of peaceful people. And uh, how do you do that? And the instructor would say, do what? The peacefulness part of it. How do you do that? (laughs) It it let me know that there was a whole nother. I'd never been exposed to any other faiths. I had never been exposed to um, anybody that told me that my beliefs are between me and the higher power. I like to call it God. You didn't hear that. I, I grew up the same way. And when I left home and started meeting people that were in religions that I was told were not okay, mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking, why did they lie to me? Did you, uh, did you run into that one? Why did they lie to me? Or what why? I ran into was fear. I had been told uh, I had to go a certain path with certain beliefs and for certain statements, and and uh, it was a. Uh, I'll just tell. I told this before, but let me quickly tell it so the the listeners this time will get the depths of. I remember being in, in Sunday school. The depths of the experience. I remember being in Sunday school, and the teacher showed us a picture of people burning in hell. I mean, fire coming off, and there was screaming, and he was this this eight by. 10 of this picture, I don't know what in the name of heaven she was trying to do, but what she she passed it around, and we were supposed to stare at it for a moment and then pass it on, and I'd, I could, if I could draw well, I could draw, I could replicate it, because it's still in my mind, but uh, 
she said, now this is what happens to good little, to bad little boys and girls who don't do what they're supposed to do. And my natural instinct was to look at her and say, then I'd rather believe in Santa Claus than God, because at least he's nice to you. And what happened to you? I got banished from Sunday school class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I totally know that one. When my children were little, uh, I think they got that like in when they were like four or five years old and both of them came home crying. They just couldn't understand it. It just didn't make sense to them. Yes, and and it, it doesn't make, make sense. It didn't make any sense to me at what I want to call, a, uh, uh, for lack of another word right now, a gut level. You know, just at a, a very basic human level. It did not make sense to me that, that why would uh, a creator make a creation and then destroy the creation. It, you know, none of that made any sense to me. No, and you, you know what does, didn't make sense to me either? If all of these leader-type people could talk directly to God, why couldn't I? It took me a <laughs> long why couldn't time I? to get there. But you know, I got it, there. Yeah. Yeah. You have to give yourself permission to put all that other... I'm going to call it religious teaching, to put all the religious teaching in an imaginary box and stick it under your bed for a while and just go one-on-one with God. Show me, teach me, I'm open, let me know, uh, guide me, uh, reassure me, and, and, and get this one-on-one thing going. Show me the way that I can understand the relationship that is best with you. My um, higher self with spirit. Show me how to live that, and show me in a way that I can understand. And it and will happen. It will happen. Then there's no problem. Get that imaginary box out from under your bed or the closet or wherever you have imaginarily put it, and then pull out one of those little teachings at a time and say, "Is this right for me? How does that? How do I feel when I say this? This te- Teaching, you know, and go go like that. And and if it, yep. if now it you heavy, you grew up right. in that, and back in those days, women were basically told their role was to. Well, if you went to college, your your mission was to find a a good husband, a good man who would be successful and <clears throat> be able to to provide for you. Is that the, the path that you took at that time? It was. We called it the MRS degree. Yes. Yes, that's that's that was its nickname, and you went to college, and and uh, that was your purpose. Um, you were supposed to find at least a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, yes, you were. <laughs> Somebody that was from a good family, whatever yes. that meant. <laughs> Isn't it nice to be able to laugh about it? But it was so serious back then. It wasn't very funny back then. No, it wasn't. It wasn't funny back then at all. But but our generation experienced this, and I think many generations before us did oh, too. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, how how did that go when you were beginning to question? I mean, since you were a little child, you'd been questioning. Your mind is moving on this. Your heart is moving on this. Your soul is longing for it. 
uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your life. I began to question in my mid-40s, and and talking with different people, I used to feel, well, why did it take me so long? And I don't question that anymore. The timing was right for me at that time to question. At that time, I married when I was 20, and at that time, my mid-40s, my, my last child had uh, grown off and gone to college, and... Um, and so the constant day-to-day of motherhood, in fact, she was about graduating from college, but the constant day-to-day of motherhood was not as prevalent as it was. And so, well, if I'm not, uh, if I can't define myself by the constant need for rolling mother, what, what, who am I? What do I do, you know? The church had, uh, we were going to a Baptist church. My husband had said, go to any church you want to as long as it's Baptist. Now, I'm not saying anything negative about the Baptist church. Please don't take that because that's not what I'm saying. But at this point in my life, where we were going was not right for me. It didn't feel right. I didn't, I felt like I was not fitting in the way I used to. So to answer your question, when I began to experience this, and I'm going to call it an awakening, a a questioning, a, a seeking, when I began to experience that with my whole heart, my intuition just flew at me in the face, and it opened up. It was put away in childhood for lack of validation, and it just opened up, and I didn't know what to do with it. So I had to search and read and take a course and learn learn what it was and how to work with it and what it meant to me. And as I was do it, began to do those things, I was under the mistaken belief that uh, it would be all right in the marriage. But I have since read when one person awakens and another is not quite there in their own way, then uh, in all probability, the marriage will fall apart. I was detonated. (laughs) Yes. It it didn't fall apart. It detonated. And back in that time, you were having all kinds of trouble like panic attacks you were almost agoraphobic, as I, was. As, as I see I didn't it. know what agoraphobic was at the point, uh, at that time. I, I learned several years later after uh, quite a little struggle with it. But uh, I was, for the most part, in my office in the basement, in the corner of the basement of our house. And I had gotten a desk, and, and uh, uh, my books were down there. I used to be a, a genealogist, and so one day I just loaded all the about 350 genealogy reference books in the back of a pickup truck and I hauled them to the library and then they have quite a collection there in that library but and I began to fill my room full of uh, different um, things about intuition and different writings about psychology and uh, the freedom to be yourself and, and these type of books and and so my life, for the most part, was down there uh, doing what I now know is automatic writing, and and I just called it my question and answer sessions where I would write a question and go into an altered state, and the answer would come. I've got some of these in, in When Life Cried Out, and I have a lot of them in the previous book that we have talked about um making of a mystic. But yeah. uh, anyway, and so that was my my life. And I would go to the grocery store, but by the time I could finish getting a week's worth of groceries, the panic attacks would come. 
so prevalent, my whole purpose was to get out of the store. Yeah, and get, get home. Yeah, my, and my, yet you made a decision to leave all that. I, I, you know, I can't even imagine how you could come to make a decision that huge that really made you be on your own when you were afraid to go even to the grocery store. I mean, I was, that's courage, girl. Yeah, it, it did take courage, and I didn't know I had courage at that point. But I won't get into the situation because legally I'm not able to. But it was how do I how do I word it? It was um, harder for me to stay there than it was to leave. I, I think we often have to reach that point. I had gotten to that point. I knew that if I stayed in that relationship, if I stayed in that uh, sad place I was, if I stayed in that condition that I had gotten myself in of not knowing who I was but knowing how to please other people to to uh, a, a very fine extent, if I had stayed there, I would have died at my own hand. I already had the... Um, I already had my plan. I knew how it was going to happen. And then, uh, quite unexpectedly, I got a melanoma on the center of my back, right on the other side of my heart. And uh, I found it quite by accident. And, okay, forget the gun business. All I have to do is let this thing grow, and, honey, I am out of this life. But then I realized... That beautiful, beautiful, it was stage one, which is rare to find that, that beautiful stage one melanoma taught me one of the most profound lessons. It let me know that it wasn't death that I wanted, it was life. Life was crying out, and I decided to embrace it. Now, how did you, you did a lot of traveling to get your questions answered. How did you find the courage at that point to get on a plane and go someplace where you didn't know anybody? Uh, I mean, you're the woman who couldn't go to the grocery store. How how did you do that? (laughs) I was on an Internet site for uh, um, highly sensitive people, and I was also on an Internet site. They called them message boards back then. Uh, message board uh, for very intuitive people. And I sent out several emails to people that I had met through the intuitive site to different people in the world, and uh, and I said, I would like to come in, this was right after the divorce, right after it was over. The divorce took almost two years, but right after the divorce was over. I said, I would like to come visit, but I'm not able to, it's a foreign country, but I'm not able to do it by myself. I need a contact person that could help me out and help me get established. And two people from one place in in Belgium, from Ghent, Belgium, contacted me and said that they would help. Only one followed through. So I had my my anchor, if you want to call it that. I had my support team. It consisted of one person. Of course, I had the Internet, too. So I had my one person, and that first trip, oh, my goodness, Irene, 
It took me four or five times to make it to the bus to the city center. Uh, Oh, I I can imagine. It did. Uh, The first time I got out of the uh, little apartment and walked like half a block, and that was all I could do. You know, okay, I'm done. But you know what happens when you're in a little little rental apartment in a house in a subdivision in Belgium? Uh, you have to eat. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the body likes eat. food. And so my main purpose of the day for about a week was to get on the bus and find food or walk to find food. For a while, it was easier just to walk to find food. And so I did that, that first trip when you hear somebody, oh, I've been to Europe, oh, what did you see? The inside of an apartment, the inside of a bus, and it took me a week to get to the city center, but by George, I did it. (laughs) And that was a huge, huge accomplishment. For me, it was. It was a huge accomplishment. I didn't have any support in the way of of a family at that time because I had a good friend in you know in the uh place where I used to live but I didn't have any support because they did not understand they just did not understand because I had lived as a people pleaser if you want to call it that it's just an easier term to use all of my life and then all of a sudden I wasn't trying to please anybody I was on a method of self discovery I wanted to figure out where life was. What's my life? How do I live it? Where, where, where is it? You, you and, said in the book, and, and we're going to go to break with this. It's time for us to go to break. And I want to leave this thought with our listeners. We'll come back to it. You said, I had to learn exactly who I was created to be. Nothing else would suffice. Nothing at all. This is Irene Conlon saying, stay tuned. We'll be back with more with Patty Fivette in just a moment. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's one 888 
346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back. We're talking today to Patty Fivet, who wrote this amazing little book, When Life Cried Out One Woman's Spiritual Quest to Be Fully Alive. Now, if you're not on a spiritual path, this you know, might not make a lot of sense to you, but there'll be a time when you too probably begin to question all kinds of things. And remember this book because Patty's a good way, way shower. Uh, you might want to come back to it. Before we went to break, we asked the question or set, you know, gave the quote from you that you had to learn exactly who you were created to learn. And so you have to follow that up with, did you learn it, and can you share with us what what your process was and what you learned? Yes, I can. I mentioned earlier, and I'll just go into this briefly because it's in the book uh, when life cried out briefly. Uh, that, in fact, it's a major part of the book, but it, I go in more detail with my my other book, um, Making of a Mystic. But. Uh, I had taken a course on intuition, and um, I was I was conned in doing it by the uh, lady I was using as a, as a healer and an uh, energetic allergy treatment for for those. Anyway, and she had me come to her house to learn about intuition because she needed a twelfth person to have the course. She was taking some some studies, and this was one of the courses. And and I was I was number twelve, so she bribed me, and I went there. And long story short, uh, after a week in the lab, exercise was right at the top of your paper a uh, question that has plagued you all of your life and then go into your trance they had taught us to do and see if you get an answer well my answer came through writing and it surprised me it shocked me and uh, that the answer came right there and I've got this in the book um, and uh, my question was why do I never feel good enough and I learned through that experience that something out there, something out there beyond what I had been taught that was religious, something out there that felt holy and wonderful and comforting and loving, loved and cared for me enough to answer the question that had plagued me all of my life. I call it God. Call it what you want to. I call it God because it's just easier. That would be what I would call it. Yeah, okay, then we'll just use that word right now. But God loved me enough to give me that answer. And I was dumbfounded. I was dumb. I thought I had to go into a rigmarole of pleasing. It took me a long time to get from that point to where I am now. And to answer your question... The way I went out in the world making these discoveries, I never thought consciously about where to go. It was all what to do. It was always brought to me through my intuition. I would have a dream. I would see a place uh, on TV, a special on TV, and then see several magazine articles about it. Or three friends would say, hey, have you ever been to Malta? Or something like that. You know, it you ever would be been brought- to Egypt? Ever been? <laughs> yeah. It would be brought to me in these strange ways. But because I was tuned in and listening to that still 
small voice that's really not still and really not small, <laughs> uh, I um, began to travel, and and my um, my helper that was in Belgium had traveled extensively, so uh, he became a traveling companion. And I went through many a panic attack on these on these trips. But the more of these trips I went to, and the more I learned everywhere I went, I would learn and reintegrate something that was profound in my life. The more the panic attacks lessened, and eventually they're just gone. It's interesting, or it was interesting to me reading the book, how you. It, it, it's, it felt, and I'm sure this is how it was, that you were sent there because you had to learn a specific thing and you would get it there. Yes. And, and it was really lovely to see how you followed the guidance you received. I didn't know it at the time, but I have uh, the trait of environmental empathy, which means I feel earth energies. I also feel the consciousness of an area. And so uh, when I learn something and learn it deep, it's a, it's a feeling I get. It's not necessarily a thought. So God came to me and taught me with the, call them talents, with the talents that he had given me. That, that I had received upon my birth. And that's how they were answered. This doesn't mean that it will happen the same way to anybody else. There are people out here that, that are intellectual and, and function in a whole lot of different ways. And it doesn't matter how you're functional, what your talents are, if you surrender to the point to say, help me, I need to get closer to you, I need to know who I am, I want to live a spiritual life. It will come to you however you need it. And it will. Of all the places that you went, you know, where, I don't really want to say what was your favorite. Yeah. But, you know, what was your favorite? Ah, uh, well, I think one of the most profound was Auschwitz. And I oh, won't say it yes. was my favorite because it's not any kind of a place to put under a category as favorite. But that was a profound, and the second one that is equally profound in a totally different way was the Great Pyramid in Egypt. Tell us a little bit about that one. That one was, um, that's quite a story. The Great Pyramid in Egypt, I had, in my prayer work and intention work, I had been saying, show me, God, show me what real spiritual power feels like. I need to feel it before I can know what it is. I can't intellectual it, intellectualize it and get there. I just, I'm, I'm not there. I can't do it. I could intellectual and learn some things and answer a test, but I needed to have the experience of real spiritual power. What is it? And the next thing I knew, I had... Um, uh, an opportunity to go to visit the pyramids of Egypt, and I thought, oh, why not? When I was walking through 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 Egypt, uh, it's when I saw and you know, I thought the Great Pyramids were in the desert because that's how you see them pictured. And at some point, they probably were, but they're on the edge of a city. They're on the edge of Cairo, 
And uh, so you stay in your hotel in the city and you walk down the city streets and two blocks, three blocks, four blocks, depending on when you stay, you turn a corner and there's sand in the pyramid. So that's literally how it was. And so as I got closer and closer to the pyramid, I thought it was a panic attack coming because I was feeling something and it was the most intense feeling I have ever felt anywhere as far as earth energies are concerned or maybe spiritual energies that have settled into a a place. It was the most intense feeling I have ever felt. Well, in the book, I describe a funny little thing about uh, this this Egyptian wanting me to ride his camel, and I finally (laughs) bribed him, and uh, so I didn't have to ride his camel, but then it became my turn, and you stand in line, and then you go up some steps, and and there's guards there and people that are taking your cameras and cell phones and all these things, because you won't take pictures, and so the the light flashes won't hurt the inside of the pyramid, I assume. And, uh, but we, uh, my companion and I did not realize that we had to get a ticket before, an, another ticket before we in, entered. But anyway, and I guess the guard there had enough wisdom to know not to let me in the pyramid right then. Because I literally was physically shaking. I was physically shaking. And my companion went off to get the, the tickets and, uh, he looked at me and he said, sit right there on the edge of that stone and don't move. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so that's what I did. But it was a blessing. It was a big blessing because it took almost 45 minutes to get the ticket because there was another line. And when he came back with the ticket, I had had enough time to realize what I was feeling was not uh, a panic coming on. What I was feeling was an intensity. You know, a panic is an intensity. And so it, I just had the wrong intensity. Oh, my goodness, I am feeling an intensity. And I'm feeling, uh, well, I was getting my, my prayer answered is what I was doing. Show me what spiritual intensity is. I need to feel it. Does that mean there's a spiritual intensity in the pyramid that you won't find anywhere else? I have no idea. I have no idea. I just knew. I prayed that. I was asked to visit, and I got there, and I felt an intensity that was almost more than I could handle at the time. And that was it was profound. And when I got, uh, oh, if you walk through a, a big staircase, and then you twist and turn, and then you walk through a narrow passage that looks like it's in a cave, and <laughs> I mean, I don't do caves. No, me either. No, I just don't do caves. And then I got to the center, and by that time, I was fairly calm and and ready to do another question and answering session, and it wouldn't come. (laughs) It just wouldn't come, and I explained this in the book. But finally, it did come. I mean, there were some people that looked like they were doing a laying on of hands, you know, the pyramid, and some other people were were meditating, and I thought, okay, well, I'm here, now what? And uh, it was literally, and I just was not going to leave until I figured out, now what, you know? And finally, I get the, the intuitive voice start speaking. Um, uh, true power is a spiritual process. It's an empowerment. It's not power over others. It's power of your own life. It's power to include the spiritual. It's power to awaken to the spiritual that is already part of your life. We just don't know it. We're walking around here on this planet half asleep. 
We just don't know that that power is ours, and it's an empowering power, not power over others. Is to make, I make a distinction. And then I, the only message I got was, was short form, this power, how you choose to accept this spiritual power is your choice. It is your choice. On that note, we need to go to break. When we come back, I want to ask you how that changed you. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Patty Fivette, saying stay tuned. We'll be back with more. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Every one of us confronts challenges that rock our world to the core, making us confused and disoriented, not knowing which way is up. On The Mother Rising, host Margaret Jacobson will nourish that spark that enlivens. You will be both empowered and inspired to create the changes leading you on your path to your own true freedom. Discover your worth and what you are capable of. Tune into The Mother Rising every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Patty Fivette. We're on the last lap of the show, and it feels like we just got started, and there's so many things I want to ask um, because Patty has had such an incredibly interesting life. But one question I really want to ask is, how is your life different today? You had some amazing experiences in all of your trips and all of your learnings. So how has your life changed? Irene, right now, in one sentence, my life now is love-based. And I have learned through all of this, every one of my adventures and spiritual learning, uh, the the, uh, wisdom I got at each place. I won't call it a learning. I'll call it a wisdom because it's a different word and it means more. Um, Everything I learned at these different places and on my journey was leading to one thing, and it's about love. 
And love is not something I, you seek, any of us seek for, and yet that is what we're constantly doing. We uh, try to become who somebody wants us to be in order to be more loved. We put ourselves aside and do it this way or that way in order to be loved. We insist on having our way because we think it's love. We get more possessions because it makes us feel good, like, like we have a loving life. Love is an inside job. It's already there. It's already inside us. We just have to tune into it. That love is, if you want to call it the higher self, if you want to call it a Christ consciousness, whatever you want to call it, that love thing, it's an inside job. And that's what I finally learned, that I would never have love with whatever I did with my life. I would never have love in the way that I already have it from the way God created me to be. And that, I think, brings me to the question that I was wanting to ask. You talk about, you, you mentioned um, intellectualism a few minutes ago. You talked about getting to things through the intellect, and then you make the statement uh, about learning with the heart, not the head, not the intellect. Yes. yes. Uh, and I'm assuming that it's through the heart that you learn this kind of love. It is. It's, it's through the heart. Absolutely. It becomes ingrained in you. It's, when you learn through the heart, it's like every cell in your body gets it. How do you do that? Oh, what a question. How do you do that? Well, first, give yourself permission to not be in the head the whole time. How do like you know? How do you know it's the heart speaking? The heart, um, it's how you feel. I can only answer from my own experience. If the heart is speaking, it's how you feel. It's how you feel inside. Uh, I've not had anybody ask this, and so I'm I'm thinking as I'm talking. um, If it's heart-based, it's warm and fuzzy. It's non-threatening. It's something that you just know has to be. Even though your mind is telling you it's fearful and scaring to guess and giving you a thousand little little monkey-chattering thoughts, your heart says, I have to do this. I can't not do this. I can't not move in that direction. One of the things you talk about are tears. Yeah. We tell people, oh, don't cry, but tears can be very important. Talk just really briefly about tears. I wrote something one time at the top of my paper, and I said, and I don't have the answer in front of me, so I'm going by memory. And I said, I'm going by the lesson I learned. I said to the wisdom, I said, tell me about tears. I seem to cry the least little thing. Tell me about tears. And the answer came back and said, tears are only your body expressing expressing itself at the deepest, deepest levels. There can be tears of joy. There can be tears of sadness. There can be tears because you have no words. Something is so wonderful you have to tear up. You can have tears because you laugh so hard 
that you, you finally, your body just expresses it in tears. You can have tears because you are so deeply wounded watching how humanity treats itself, it, how we treat each other on this planet. There's, you can have tears because somebody hurt you deeply. There are lots of ways to have tears. But do you know the rainbow that we see, which we're taught in the Bible, and I'll just use it as a universal thought, the rainbow is considered a promise that things will be all right. And it's got a whole full color spectrum in it when you see a rainbow. And the rainbow will not work. You cannot see a rainbow unless there's moisture and light. And if you think of tears as having moisture and light, that the um, tears are a gift from God. It's God's way of saying, I am with you. We are here in this together. The other thing that I thought was very timely and quite profound, certainly for me, is what you said about neediness. And you said um, neediness robs your sense of self blind, causing you to wander aimlessly from one set of instructions to another, squeezing the very lifeblood from the depths of your soul. And then you say neediness never, ever receives enough how do you, and this is going to, I hate to ask you this question and say, can you respond to this quickly? Uh, <laughs> but how, how do you overcome this neediness that many people have? The first thing, realize the neediness is you searching outside of yourself for what is already inside of yourself. That's what causes neediness. I need more of this to be happy. I need more of that to be happy. I need uh, uh, this to be different or that to be different. I need more love to be happy. Neediness is not recognizing that the love you are seeking through all these various ways that we humans can get so creatively involved in, um, uh, it's never enough. Whatever you seek from the outside of yourself is never enough. What you're really seeking is that inside joy, that inside self, sense of self, that, that inside love, that inside uh, moment that says you are wonderful just like you are. And you oh, are loved. Yeah. We're almost at the end of the show. I am so sad to say that. What's the thought you'd like to leave with the listeners today? You have such a rich repertoire to choose from. What's the thought? <laughs> oh, let's see if I can't think of something different. I don't know if I've, I can, but I'll just start talking and it will come. What I'd like for the listeners to know is that you have been given special gifts. You have these gifts. I don't know what they are, but God knows what your gifts are. You have been created in divine image, and you have these gifts. And when you open up and say, lead me, show me, I want to lead a, live a spiritual life. I want to, to live a life absent of neediness and full of love, then this higher power, this however you believe it, God, will answer you through your gifts. And that's how you will know. That's how you will know. Surrender and it will come. You will, you will be shown. And Patty Fivette has finished her quest 
to be fully alive. Would you say that's true, Patty? I am. Fully I'm happily alive. married again, living in North Carolina, and life is a joy. And on that note, we have to say goodbye. Patty, thank you so, so much for being with us today. Thank you for the opportunity, Irene. I really enjoy your show. Thank you for Well, for I, I enjoy having you on it. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Patty Fivette, saying thank you for being with us today. Come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.